Well, good morning, everyone. What a brilliant 50-year celebration we enjoyed last week. It was just such an uplifting celebration and a huge thanks to everyone who was involved in the meeting and putting it all together. It was just excellent. So now we look ahead and this morning is the penultimate talk in God's Plan for Your Wellbeing series. So for anyone joining us for the first time this morning, we began a series on God's Plan for Your Wellbeing back in January And over the last couple of months, we've been looking at six dials of well-being, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, financial and vocational. And as we emphasise every week, God cares for you and your well-being matters to him. And this series is really about providing practical steps that we can take to improve our well-being and really enjoy God's plan for our well-being. So today we're focusing on the final dial, which is vocational well-being. And next week, John will wrap up the series on the topic of looking ahead. So a little bit about myself by way of introduction for those that don't know me. We have a team of five elders here at King's Church. Three of the eldership team, that's John, Richard and Rich, work full-time salaries for the church. And two of us, that's myself and Steve Wade, are volunteers and we work in full-time employment outside of the church. So Steve is a technical manager for global engineering company Cementation Skanska and I'm a director of organisational wellbeing at Gallagher, which is an insurance risk and consulting firm. And in my role at Gallagher, I lead on the development and sales of our financial wellbeing solutions and I also chair our inclusion and diversity team. In addition to my role at Gallagher, I'm on the advisory board of Engage for Success, which is a task force that was launched by the government many years ago now, focused on increasing employee engagement in the UK. And I'm also on the trustee board of the children's charity Toybox. Now, it's fair to say that my career path has been pretty varied and certainly isn't what I planned. If a career advisor ever asked me that very familiar question, where do you want to be in five years' time, I'd have never accurately predicted where I would be in five years time. In fact when I was about eight years old I vividly remember that I wanted to be a vicar. My dad's an ordained Church of England vicar and I used to go to work with him during school holidays when he had a parish in southeast London and there'd be times when he would visit parishioners and there was one particular elderly Irish lady called Mrs Earl and whenever we went to see Mrs Earl she would bake a jam-filled Victoria sponge cake dusted with icing sugar And I would just sit there and eat cake. So Mrs Earl's Victoria sponge cake confirmed my calling to be a vicar when I was older. Then later on in my teens, I wanted to be a forensic scientist and then a barrister, probably influenced by a TV series called Rumpole of the Bailey. I studied law at university in Leicester. And then after my second year, Ellie and I got married and we moved to Horsham and studied for a certificate in Christian ministry at Kingdom Faith Bible College. After spending a few years in Horsham, I completed my degree at Kingston University and secured a place on a graduate training scheme with British Airways. So it's been a really varied vocational journey for me over the last 24 years, but every step along the way, I've seen God's guidance, his provision, even when doors have closed when I've wanted them to open. So today I want to look at the main characteristics or hallmarks of vocational well-being. Now, firstly, to say I realise that for some, the subject of job and vocation is a cause for real concern right now. Data from the Office for National Statistics indicates that there are currently 9.9 million people in the UK who are furloughed, and many of whom will be on a reduced income, facing the uncertainty of redundancy when they come back to work. 
the current unemployment rate in the UK is 5.1%, which is the highest level in five years. And in my career, I've experienced the stress of unemployment. On one occasion, my role was made redundant due to the company I was working for folding. So I really do know the difficulties uh, of unemployment and the challenges that causes. But for those who have been made redundant or are facing the challenge of finding a new job or or self-employed people who are struggling to find enough work right now, be encouraged this morning that God is faithful. He has a plan for your vocation and for your vocational well-being. So what do we mean by the term vocational well-being? Well, first, we have to define the word vocation. And the word comes from the Latin word vocare, which means calling. Now, often it's fair to say we associate the word calling with a divinely ordained calling from God into full-time Christian work. In fact, whilst growing up, I often heard that being a vicar was a vocation. And that is true. But equally, being a bookkeeper, a teacher, a train driver, a nurse, an entrepreneur, a self-employed business owner, a retail assistant, a police officer, a tradesperson, whatever we do is as much a vocation as being a vicar. So from a biblical perspective, vocation is not about being called to Christian work. It's about being called by God to work as a Christian wherever and whatever that work is. And throughout the Bible, we read examples of men and women in a variety of roles fulfilling their vocation to use the gifts and the skills that God has given them. In the book of Exodus, Moses is managing the building of the temple, requiring wood carving and embroidery and metalwork, stone workers, architects, designers, all with different skills. Of course, we read that the disciples, Andrew, Peter, James and John, they were fishermen and fishermen were also business owners, often employing others. Matthew, the disciple, was a tax connector, a skilled accountant gifted with numbers. And in the book of Colossians, Paul refers to Luke as the beloved doctor. And of course, Jesus was a carpenter before he began his ministry, learning his trade and helping run the family business. And then we read in the book of Acts about a woman called Lydia who became a follower of Jesus. Here's what one Bible commentary says about Lydia. Lydia was a well-known seller of dyed cloth and typifies a successful businesswoman in a prosperous city. Ability, enthusiasm, singleness of purpose and mental acumen were hers and she prospered greatly in an honourable calling of selling purple. Lydia was successful in business and, as we read, owned a spacious home and had servants to care for her. So here we have Lydia, the entrepreneur and the business leader. She becomes a follower of Jesus. She was baptised and then her whole family became believers. Lydia played a really important role supporting Paul's ministry, providing hospitality and financial support. In fact, after Paul and Silas were released from prison, badly beaten, they went straight to Lydia's home. The author goes on to write about Lydia that becoming a Christian did not make Lydia less of a successful businesswoman. Now she had Christ as her senior partner and with him we can imagine that her trade remained good. And that much of her profit was used to assist his servants in the work of the gospel. So all of these examples throughout the Bible of men and women fulfilling their vocation to work, using their skills and their gifts and their passions in their callings. 
You know, sometimes we hear this term secular work and sacred work. Well, that's simply not accurate because all work that we do is sacred. Ken Costa, the former chairman of UBS Investment Bank, author of books including God at Work and Know Your Why, sums up this principle really well with these words. We need to recognise that there is one indivisible Lord. The Lord of the money markets is the Lord of mercy. The Lord of profit is the Lord of prayer. The Lord of competition is the Lord of compassion. There is one indivisible God. We can't divide him up. We must all work together and help each other to find our callings in life and to honour each other in our callings. We see many different jobs and vocations here at King's. Senior manager, software investment advisory, regional sales manager, senior marketing manager, operations director, digital executive, head of group operations, director of special projects. These are just some of the roles that men and women in this church will be doing on Monday morning. And of course, all of those working for the church are employed by King's Church with job titles and goal setting and performance reviews, team meetings, an employee pension scheme and financial reporting, just like any other employer. All people fulfilling their vocation, their call to work with the skills and the gifts that God has given them. In Colossians 3.23, Paul writes these words. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So ultimately, wherever we work, whatever we do, we work for and serve God. And even if you don't seem to get much appreciation for your work, God sees what you do and will reward you. So what do we mean by vocational well-being and what are the hallmarks, the characteristics of vocational well-being? Well, we can find the first characteristic in that scripture that we just read from Colossians. Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And in the book of Exodus, we read that Moses called every skillful person in work whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred them to come to the work to perform it. You see, These scriptures are about having wholeheartedness, a a passion, an energy, a determination in our work, a, a heartfelt stirring to work. And this wholeheartedness is often referred to as engagement, feeling engaged and purposeful in work. It's a it's a gift from God. It's a blessing from God. In fact, research shows that when we're engaged with a sense of purpose and in the flow with our work, our our body releases feel good hormones that actually create that sense of job satisfaction. So here's the question, how wholehearted are you with your work? How engaged are you? What does your heart stir you to do? What gives you a sense of purpose and fulfilment? Now, let's be honest, work doesn't always make us feel fulfilled and purposeful. There are some days when it just really is a tough slog. And I can't honestly say that I skip down out of my home office at the end of every day saying to Ellie, I just can't wait until tomorrow morning. Probably one of the most engaged days I've ever had at work was when I was at British Airways and they asked and sent out an email asking for volunteers to test the new in-flight entertainment system on a 777. Now, needless to say, most of the graduate trainees volunteered for that particular day. We flew over the Scandinavian mountains. 
we watched some films with full in-flight service, food and drink, and then we returned to Heathrow. It was a brilliant day in the office. I was highly engaged and I worked in it with all my heart. Well, I have to say it was a bit unnerving when they tested the emergency landing message to make sure that it cut in over the film. But other than that, it was a great day in the office. But the reality is that work can be really tough. Deadlines, pressures, colleague misunderstandings and disagreements, nine to five Zoom calls, and even for some abuse from the public. But vocational well-being is when overall our work gives us a sense of purpose a sense of fulfilment and satisfaction. In Ecclesiastes 2, we read these words. A person could do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? And on that sense of purpose, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and a TED Talk with 28 million views, It's introduced as a movement to help people become more inspired at work. And it highlights the vital role of clarity of our purpose in work. In fact, there's um, a a true story of a construction company. They saw an uplift in engagement and productivity from their staff. It was on a building site for a school when they communicated to the workers that they were all helping the next generation to learn and succeed in life. That sense of purpose generated extra engagement. So what's your why? You know, even at times, your only why might be to provide for your family and put food on the table, but that's purpose. So engagement is a key characteristic of vocational well-being. Another characteristic of vocational well-being is success. See, God wants you to be confident and enjoy success in your job, whatever success means for your role. Now, that's not, of course, a call to pride, but your confidence and your success will bless you and it will bless others. Now, I I love the parable of the talents that John referenced a couple of weeks ago, which I suppose in modern terms could be called the parable, parable of the fund managers. Two of the investors in the story were really successful. They delivered a 200% return. They took risks, they were confident and they delivered results. They worked hard and they were good at what they did. And the one who didn't invest was referred to as lazy. You know, another favourite Bible account of mine that really speaks of God's passion for our success in work is the two occasions in Luke and John's Gospel when Jesus helps the disciples to succeed in their work. See, here we have fishermen whose sole purpose, whose sole definition of success, pardon the pun, is how many fish they catch and can sell at the market. And in John 21, we read that They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore and he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some fish. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. See, before Jesus got involved, They had had a night of failure, catching nothing. And then Jesus got involved and helped the disciples to be successful in their work. And their success brought glory to God. I wonder, do you ever feel like the disciples that that evening, that you've worked hard all night but not caught anything? That success seems like a distant memory. Well, Jesus can produce a miracle. Maybe he's encouraging you to cast your net on the other side. And even if that seems crazy, especially at this time, 
God loves to create success. So be confident that Jesus wants to help you to be successful in your work. Whatever success looks like for you, be it success in sales or surgery or teaching or technology, building or baking, God gives you success just as he gave Joseph and the disciples success. And your success brings glory to God and it enables you to be a blessing to others. So engagement and success are two key characteristics of vocational well-being. The final characteristic that I want to highlight this morning is what I call positive influence. Wherever we work, we can be instruments of God's love, his peace and his truth. And from our earnings, we can also be a source of financial provision and blessing to the church and to others in need. Now, it's been said that our overall purpose as Christians is to know God and to make him known, as to have a positive influence. And during this series, we've been looking at the life of Elijah the prophet. Elijah lived during the reign of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, who did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And Elijah was a full-time prophet. He was working for God. He was speaking the word of God and challenging an evil regime. He had positive influence for God wherever he went. But I want to draw our attention to a man called Obadiah. We read in 1 Kings that now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. So here we have a man called Obadiah who is effectively the chief operating officer of the palace. A man with great authority, with great influence and direct access to the king. But we also read, and it's interesting, it's in brackets, but we read that Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and he hid them in two caves, 50 in each, and he supplied them with food and water. He saved the lives of a hundred prophets. So Obadiah is a believer in the Lord who takes risks for God in his role and has a positive influence. You see, Obadiah is, is not a prophet. He will never be a prophet He is the palace administrator and God clearly uses him right where he is in the centre of an evil regime to have a positive influence. So wherever we are, whatever we do and whoever we work with, we can have a positive influence, bringing the kingdom of God into our workplaces and sharing God's love and hope with our colleagues. So engagement, success and positive influence, all characteristics of vocational well-being. Now, look, this is all very well, but what if you've been working for months or even years with absolutely no sense of fulfilment, little success, and no apparent positive influence? You see, it's difficult to achieve vocational well-being if the vocation you are in is causing you constant stress. If that is you, firstly, please do seek help. Speak with someone who can help and listen. Secondly, And just as importantly, talk to God about your situation. Cast your burdens onto him because he cares for you and he cares for your vocational well-being. Ask God for his wisdom and for his direction. See, here's an interesting fact about the bald eagle. The mother bald eagle will feed the chick every day as it grows in the nest. But one day the mother eagle comes back to the nest and there's no food in her beak. She doesn't land on the edge of the nest. Instead, she hovers over the nest. And then she comes into the nest and she pushes the chick gently towards the edge of the nest. And then she stands on the edge of the nest and starts removing the leaves and the twigs and begins to make some of the sticks stand upright. She's, 
She's making the whole situation uncomfortable for the chick because it's time for the chick to move out of the nest and fly. And sometimes, you know, not all the time, but sometimes continuous ongoing stress and discomfort in a job is an indication that it's time to move on. So it's worth asking yourself and asking God, is my current discomfort in work just a temporary blip? Or is there something to be learned from this about the next step? You see, I think we spend too much of our time in work to stay in a situation that is damaging our health and our well-being and our family's well-being. I know there have been time in my career where I've asked myself, can I work at this job wholeheartedly? Am I really engaged? Am I in the flow? Am I seeing success? And sometimes my answer to that question has been no, so I've moved on. That, of course, is always challenging to leave a job because at least we're familiar with what we're doing, even if it's not great. But we mustn't let fear of the unknown get us stuck in a role that is causing relentless stress. So if you do find yourself in a a really challenging job situation, be assured God has a plan for your vocational well-being. He is for you and he's able to lead you into your next steps. Proverbs 16.3, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will succeed. God can and will direct your path when it comes to your vocation. And sometimes God direction, God's direction is different to, to what we want or what we expect, but he will direct us into what's best for us. When Ellie and I went to Bible college in Horsham, we hoped and expected that we'd be asked to work full time for the church down in Horsham. But despite having given up everything to go to Bible college, God simply didn't open the door for us simply didn't. Instead, he clearly made a way for me to finish my degree and and work at at British Airways and for Ellie to work at a local school. You see, God had a different plan. So we have to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. And of course, we all must be open to God's guidance and trust that there's more to come in our vocations and be open to that. But don't fret if you just don't know where you'll be in five years time. Just pray, Lord, I commit my plans to you. I trust you to lead me to open doors and to close doors. And finally, to those that can't work, maybe due to sickness or if you're retired, be encouraged. You have a calling, maybe to pray for others, to encourage others, to serve as a volunteer. Do whatever you do as working for God and not for man. So our vocational well-being is important to God. We're called to work wholeheartedly, to be engaged and purposeful. God loves to bless us with success for his glory and so that we can bless others. And we're all called to have a positive influence wherever we are. Again, to finish on the wise words of King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Amen. Over to you, Richard.